Hey everyone, and welcome to the Louisville Podcast. We're jumping back into our newly refreshed series called Message Notes, where Gord and myself take a deeper look at the recent teaching from this past Sunday. We are in part two of our lead up to Easter series entitled Empty. Now, last week, we got a chance to talk about what it means to have more of God and less of me. And this week, we start to talk about what that actually looks like and what it means for us when Jesus asks us to give everything over to him. I'm pumped that you're here with us, and I can't wait for you to listen in on this conversation. Let's dive in. Well, here we are, week two of our empty series. Yes. And uh, man, I, I actually get really excited about these because uh, for me personally, I always love to know what's going on behind the scenes of when I'm yep. when I'm hearing a teaching or a or a or a sermon. And it, there's always the aspect of, you know, as the old preaching prof said, you can't say it all. Exactly. So yeah. on any given text, people say, "Well, he didn't mention this." Well. Because you don't have time mm. to mention everything or yeah. all of the aspects. Yeah. And then even um, for those who have never been in the position where they are teaching and preaching in front of a of a congregation, it's a wide array of, of trying to figure out where everyone is. You just have to listen to God. And, yeah. and I don't want to sound glib with that, but that's an important part of the process. Mm. And to say, what do you want me to emphasize out of this text? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so you would definitely know this. So when you're teaching Romans here at Louisville, it's probably going to be flavored a little differently than when you're in the classroom. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Uh, In the classroom, dealing with theological structure and how does it all fit together. Oh, yeah. um, I had a professor one time, I was taking the Gospel of Matthew from J. Ramsey Michaels. And someone was questioning him on preaching and teaching, and he said, he just made the remark that when you're teaching, you always speak to the head and the heart mm. in, in certain percentages. So he would say, you teach to the head, but there's got to be an aspect for the heart. Yeah. And when you're preaching, you're speaking to the heart, but there has to be an aspect of the head in that. Mm-hmm. And he said, you have to know whether you're preaching or teaching, and you better know the difference. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 No, very true. So there is all of that. Yeah. So, reflecting on this past uh, week, sure. Um, I've got to say, like, like I always say, I like to keep it a little light at the beginning. Yeah, sure thing. Um, so, I love the example, the opening story, the Bob Goff story. Oh yeah. Um, and I mean, Bob Goff is full of these types of stories. Of too. course, he's, he's um, wonderful heart medicine, by the way, for that very reason. Yeah. Yeah, like that. But was that an example from Love Does? His yes, right. I think chapter fourteen. Yeah, if people want to go back and look at. Oh it. yeah, and and like you said, it's uh, talk about heart medicine. If you want to read a book during this time right now, absolutely pick up. Uh, Would be great. Pick pick up Love Does, and he's got. I think he came up with another one. Everybody always. Yes. His wife has a book. And they have Love Does for Kids. I don't know if you knew that. I didn't know that. Yeah, so there's that. Wonderful. But yeah, so that story, you had me, <laughs> you had me, because I, I remember reading it, but I had forgot what the, what the kick was. What the punchline was. What the punchline punch was. And oh my word, just that whole, 
uh, thinking it was the the well, he thought it was light cream cheese, right? So yeah, that's why it tasted so awful. And you know what? When I was reading through it, I'm like, I could see myself doing that. <laughs> I like, I could see a bit of myself in that. Oh yeah. And then when the punchline came, I'm like, oh no, I can really see myself in it now. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember. Um, I was saying to you earlier, like we were watching, Caitlin and I were watching it together and I could just see the wheels spinning in Caitlin's. She's like, where is this going? And I said, no, just wait, just wait. And she almost fell out of her seat, you know, just like, oh, and just like, it's a visceral reaction, right? Just like, oh. Well, because the, the, just all of a sudden you get this, I'm not sure whether it's a thought or a feeling or a little bit of both of biting in to a bagel smeared with Crisco shortening. And there's oh, a yuck cool. factor. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, man, talk about an amazing example, though, for this whole thing that you then started to get into, this whole yes. the real versus the fake. Yeah. And when you when you get a taste to, to jump into the Christianity part of it, right? When you start to get a taste of the real... And when you look back to the fake, that 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 reaction we have of biting into the bagel with with the and trying uh, trying to get it out of your mouth, trying to right. can, can I rinse my mouth enough to get clear of this? Oh yeah, yeah. But yeah, I just loved that example because it just set it up so perfectly mm. of this whole you know we've got a lot of people out there who have experienced the fake, right? And for whom the fake is good enough. Mm. For example, I grew up in, in a version of Christianity, and we talked about this before, where you had to use the right version of the Bible, you had to believe the right eschatology, you had to wear the right things, you had to have the right hair length. Right. And if I compare that, and by the way, some people are still there. Mm-hmm. Compare that with sitting quietly alone with the Word and Jesus Mm. and having him nudge our hearts toward a new learning from him, toward a change in our lives, Mm -hmm. toward an opportunity for um, obedience, to take a step to help others... um, toward God and good in their lives. Right. There's no comparison. Mm. But when you're in it, you think that's it. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I think we still see fragments of that in culture where, you know, um, we would hear this line like, oh, well, you know, I'm not, you know, I never got into religion, you know? And then yeah. that leaves that leaves us, the follower of Christ, with sort of like that that pivot point of how do we how do we then answer? Caitlin and I were actually ch- chatting about this the other day, this whole what what is the most appropriate language to start to describe, quote unquote, the real, you know, without seeming odd. But back in the when I was younger, we would always say, Oh, well, it's not it's not a religion, it's a relationship. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's still legitimate. Oh, but it's legitimate and it's true, but people don't have any um what would I say? Any categories for that. Right. Yeah. And and, and she was sort of struggling with that, you know, um with friends or coworkers. It's like, what what would that even leave them thinking for me to just say, Oh, it's a relationship? What does that mean? <laughs> right. 
which yeah. which can open up a, a beautiful conversation. But but if you ask the average person, just ask them the the kind of off the cuff question: What's a relationship? Right. It's hard to define. Yeah. Let it's alone a relationship with the God of the universe, mm. like that. Then, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's fascinating. I mean, that could be a whole other, whole other thing. A whole other thing. Um, but yeah, so you start off with the Bob Goff example, which I absolutely loved. We start kind of going into this. You know, we judge by the fake stuff, give a taste of the real thing. Um, but then this is where it starts to take a change. And we start looking at these snapshots that Jesus gives of the real, these little, mm-hmm. little tastes, which, and you address this, aren't necessarily easy. Oh, no. Well, the real is harder than we could have imagined. Mm. Yeah. And when we see it or hear it or encounter it for the first time, we will often say, well, how can I do that? Right. Yeah. How can I get there? Oh, yeah, it it seems too out of reach. Out of reach. Yeah. The whole supernatural side of this relationship is that I, I don't know how I get there. Well, you don't get there on your own, tell you that. Right. Yeah. It's fascinating, too, in those snapshots of the real, we're also seeing Jesus having a moment where he's lamenting, right? And it's like, oh, this is serious. Yeah, it's easy to see Jesus as always in control, Mm -hmm. always fine, with everything that's happens, right. that happens. Yeah. And then when he goes into the temple and he flips tables over and starts <laughs> to put a beating on people, mm. it's like, whoa, whoa, Jesus, just a minute. Yeah. But there were some things for him. He, he was on his way to the cross. Hmm. There's an old story about a a dad is telling his little girl uh, the story of uh, Abraham and Isaac. Okay. And in that story, he says, And just as the dad has the knife up in the air and about to sacrifice his son, God stops him and shows him a ram over in the thicket, Mm. caught, Mm -hmm. and instructs him to go get that and offer that instead. So he does. And, of course, the story is Yahweh Yira, God provides, Mm -hmm. the God who provides. And so the dad says, so God provided. What do you think of that story? The little girl says, I don't like killing sheep. (laughs) true right so what is so serious that it requires the life of jesus to take it away Mm. he's on his way to the cross he gets it in spades Mm. what the problem is 
The problem is not the Romans. No. The problem is not the disparity between the wealthy and the poor. Right. That, that's not what the problem is. Now, the Romans are wicked overlords because of sin. The wealthy uh, take advantage of the poor because of sin. Right. Sin is the real problem. Yeah. And sin is what so hardens the hearts of Jerusalem that they won't come to him. Right. And he weeps over it. Mm. In that uh, lead up, like we were, you were like you, you were flying through those snapshots. Were there were there things that you wanted to pause on or kind of elaborate more on? Or I th- I think what if I could have done anything more, it would be to stop at each one and say, "Here's the sin problem." Right. In this. Here's the man with dropsy. Yeah, he's ill, but that's not the way we were designed. Right. We weren't designed to retain fluid, which would lead to congestive heart failure, which will stop our hearts if it's not dealt with. Hmm. Yeah, and that's part of sin. Not that man's sin. Right. But the condition, the broken world we live in, has broken stuff in it. Yep. And it touches our individual lives. I think that's the thing I would have done was stopped mm. at each each stage and said, here's here's the sin in it. Yeah. It's almost fascinating when you put it that way, you think, oh, that maybe log for it for another time. You're like, oh, that could be a whole a that whole teaching. A whole, whole, a teaching. whole teaching series, yes. right? You know? Yeah. Like the real and the fake and the snapshots. Snapshots, that's what we'll call it. Snapshots. <laughs> and Carl Menninger years ago. Um, wrote a book called Whatever Became of Sin. Mm. And his whole point was, we have so many things and they're illnesses and they're this and they're that. But but that was his teaching, was behind all of it is the sinfulness of a broken world. Mm. And it has all kinds of manifestations. So, we don't, we don't, blame people like like the religious leaders said to the man born blind who sinned him right, and his yeah. parents Jesus said N- nobody yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but this is so that God will be glorified yeah so here's what happens and people can get really stuck on that though you know like that oh especially anyone who has felt guilty about things they've done in their lives and things they have felt and still feel guilty about and mm. they will say well God's punishing me because right. It's not true. Yeah. In fact, if the ego, evil one could bring hard stuff into your life and have you believe that God's bringing it because of your failure, mm. will take you out of the tracks of being able to have forgiveness from God, mercy, love, grace, and be restored mm. and be renewed. But as long as we're feeling like, well, no, God's just punishing me because I right. did that or did this or yeah. whatever. And even it's it's fascinating, too, because even in that example you shared of the blind man, you can tell the religious leaders that's in their mind, too. Oh, that, that was in their mind. It, it was a, it was a this-then-this right. thing. 
Did was, you do it? Was it your parents who did it? Was, it? Someone did. Yeah. Because that's why you're the way you are. Yeah. Uh, just a lie. Yeah. And it's fascinating, too, because you can even go circle way back. And I think it's originally in Exodus, maybe chapter 32. I should know this. Oh, look at you. Oh, I'm, oh I don't know. Just hold the phone. <laughs> but where, um, you know, where uh, the Lord... Yahweh is is faithful, merciful, loving, uh-huh. blah, blah, blah. And, that, and near the end of that portion, it says, you know, and he punishes the sin from the to the third and the fourth for the generations. For the generations, and people can get caught up on that. But at the same time, I think what's happening in that is is for us to realize that there can be consequences to the things that we do in our own lives. So I've I've heard a author he said, you know, like if um, you know, if you grew up with an alcoholic father, there's it's not that you're being punished for your alcoholic father, but there's going to be you're gonna live life a little differently. There's a predisposition. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. That you didn't come up with, mm. but that that nevertheless affects you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I use this example with um with our own family. I come from uh, an alcoholic family on dad's side, a mm. lot of heavy drinkers. Right. My grandfather was a heavy drinker, and my dad uh, drank, not like his father did, but, but he was a drinker, until the day he came to know Christ. And mm. then part of what it meant for him, what he, what he apotasoed, oh, yeah. was alcohol. Right. Yep, got it. So then I say to our son, the problem with McLeod men is not that they can't hold their liquor. Mm. The problem is they can. Right. And the quickest way to an addiction is to be able to function with a lot of it in your system mm. and not show the effects. Right. Yeah. So you got to be careful with it. Yeah. Yeah. Stop before you think you've had enough. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but so fascinating how... That um, section of scripture from back in the Exodus time and how people read it and then maybe, dare I say, misread it and misread it and then turned it into something else. And then we see that prime example of what did, you know, the blind man, what did you do or what did your parents do? And you go, whoa, 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 everybody slow down. Yeah. <laughs> like where, <laughs> where are you getting that from? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And these were supposed to be the people who knew the scripture well. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. Yeah, I've often thought about that too. Um, you know, they knew it well, but what what does that actually mean? You know, could they recite it well? Could they just like all of a sudden, you know? Well, it it's the easy way to interpret. Mm. And so then, and the the religious leaders of the day, the Pharisees in particular, were all about the holier than thou. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's perfect for that stuff. Yeah. Now, you just dropped a, uh, a word that I'm not even going to try to um, pronounce because I'll just brutalize it. Apo. Apotasso. A-P-O-T-A-S-S-O. Does it have any dots or anything on it or? No, no, no. <laughs> no. That would be Hebrew. Oh, okay. This is, but it's a compound Greek word. Mm. Apo means away from. 
Now, tasso is a word of uh, fixed or put in order. Mm. And when you put apo on the front of it, it actually means the opposite of what tasso would mean. Oh, so, okay, so yeah. So tasso would, not not that it's a negative so much as you you you, it's not to organize it, but it's to put it away from you. Right, okay. Would it be the same way how, I don't know if it's, is it a Latin thing? Maybe in a, in origin, where we would put A in front of something? Yeah, that's Greek. That's, oh, that's Greek. That's a simple uh, negation. Right. Like a capella without sound. Right, yes. Yeah. Uh, we're using one with uh, coronavirus right now. That they'll say people are asymptomatic. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. Meaning, they, meaning they don't have any symptoms. Hmm. So this is a, it, it's a similar thing to what we're talking about with it's this word. It's a similar thing, yeah. but the the prefix apo means apart or to 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 put away to from. To put away. Yeah. Okay, fascinating. Yeah, so so you jumped into that word which then leads us into really the big the big section of where we were going with this past message and I love these four pictures. We talk about the four pictures uh, that Jesus shows us and then we can, uh, we can talk a little bit about your two examples. Okay. Um, but yeah, like these four pictures can be interesting. And if I'm honest with you, there's one that is probably, I think the one that most people get hung up on. The family one. The family one. Yeah. Of course, because most translations use the word, Hate and apotasso, um, or um, um, uh, no, miso, which mm. is the word there, can mean to detest something, right? And so it's to hate because the translation to capture it the way it's used most of the time mm. is a little awkward, right? There are some, uh, the Greeks were we we're told could speak. A whole ocean in just a drop. Right. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, we we struggle a little with our interpretation or our translation, but it it was more of a comparative thing more often. Right. Yeah. So it, think more than. Right. Uh, but he was speaking of things that you have to stay away from. So he says. And, and things you have to embrace, I guess. It's both sides of a coin, but you can't put your family in front of Jesus. Mm. He has to be first. Right. So you have to renounce. You have to... Mm. Which is fascinating, too, because I think we can get so hung up on it because it's like, we don't really know what that looks like but i wonder if it if it's like well no no it's not like jesus is saying you don't love your family or anymore. don't go over for sunday supper right like it's <laughs> don't don't yeah. give them christmas presents we're not talking about that yeah we're no. just saying if it comes down to a choice you have to choose jesus over mm. family yeah yeah and i mean it's it, i think it's it's always going to be a tough one to wrap our our you know, modern minds around. Now, um, Jesus is Jesus after all. Um, so some would argue, well, easy for him to do. Right. But he was going to the cross. Yeah. And he had to then part ways mm -hmm. with his mother and brother and the disciples, including 
John, the disciple whom he loved, right? Like all of those, to go to the cross, yeah, because he couldn't carry out the Father's will and stay with them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think anyone standing around uh, up until the day when they started calling, "Crucify him! Crucify him!" But up to say the triumphal entry. Loved what he was doing. Loved oh, yeah. having him around. Yeah. Yay, Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's 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 tough. It's almost um, sometimes too when I look at that those four pictures, it's like, ah, oh, can you just leave that family one out? <laughs> yeah. You know, like yeah, yeah. You know, let's just use the other three examples. But no, it's it's a good one to, and I think it's good for us as as people too to. To realize the language difference, to realize that, you know, depending on our translation that we're reading, like, mm-hmm. you know, to don't jump to conclusions, but to get a better understanding. Get a better it. understanding, yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, you go into the second uh, the second example, um, you know, your cross to bear. And uh, what I found so fascinating was the, I, I, I had never really picked this up before, but taking this on as part of our identity, like this is who we are as Christ followers. We we are as those who've already been sentenced to death. Right. Yeah. And that's heavy. There's, oh there's, yeah. There's just no getting around that. Mm-hmm. It's that, heavy, but it does drastically change how we would live our day-to-day lives. I think part of the problem uh, for us, Adams, you know, I I think back to, uh, I have on my shelf here a bit of sand in a bottle from uh, the beach where the five were killed. Okay. And we look at that and we say, well, Jesus might actually ask for our lives. Mm. No, Jesus does ask for our lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And will we trust him with it? Right. And that's not only for people who are in vocational ministry. Right. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. With whatever he gives you to do. Mm-hmm. Maybe he makes you a very successful lawyer. Right. Where you make $300,000 a year, but you still belong to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And your 300000 belongs to Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, it changes everything. Changes everything. Yeah. I think it was, um, do you remember the name Shane Claiborne? Do you remember yeah, that name? Yeah, yeah. He, uh, Mr. He, Dreadlocks. Yeah, Mr. Him. Dreadlocks and the, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what he's doing now, but I remember years ago um, I read an article where he was specifically talking about the whole, um, you know, Jesus uh, like saved my life. Yeah. And he was. It was. It was a good kind of pivot point what he was trying to say because he was going, um, Jesus actually wrecked my life, and his point was he had all these desires personally, you know. Yeah. He wanted to be the guy who had the millions and this and that and whatnot. And then he was like, and then I encountered Christ. And 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 he, and he wasn't saying this is for everyone. This was just for him personally. Yeah, sure. Um, but he was like, no, Jesus had a different plan for my life. 
Um, and so Jesus, quote unquote, wrecked Shane's life, but then brought him into a new life. I, I, I mean, I've told this story so many times, and if the people who are listening have heard this, I was headed to be a marine biologist. Yeah, yeah. I, my high school was two blocks from the harbor. Mm. We would go down sometimes and sit on the concrete breakwater and hang our legs over during lunch. Like I, and I spent time in the water and on the water. Yeah. And I wanted to be a marine biologist. Oh, yeah. And everything was lining up for that to happen. And then this, I, I had a simple opportunity. And God's hand was on it, mm. and it didn't go awful. Right, yeah. And then the next thing you know, I'm saying yes to a call to ministry. Right. Well, goodbye Bedford Institute of Oceanography. <laughs> yeah. I got some other stuff to do. Yeah. So it's interesting, though, because do you find that ties right into this idea of bearing your cross? Is that is that what that is, or is that something different? I... I, I lean away from that, and here's why. Mm. When I think of carrying my own cross, I think of a much harsher cost right. than I've paid. Mm. I haven't had an awful life. Right, yeah. I got married to a woman I love. We had three great kids. I've had wonderful ministry. Mm. I've had the opportunity to travel and teach. I've experienced some things. I, I got to be honest. I there there are some harsh times in ministry, but generally speaking, mm. I and I know how this is going to sound. I've had a great time. No, oh, yeah, no. Oh. And so, for me to say this whole thing has been carrying my cross. Right. More, I would say, there that has been typified in places where I had to make decisions that would cost. Right. Mm. And when I did, I knew what the right thing was. Mm. And I didn't spend too much time lamenting it's only been one or two decisions that I've really lamented. Okay. And I just have to trust that the decisions made and the directions taken were sovereignly directed by him and mm. will, in the end, be seen to be the best way. Right. And part of that, what you and I were chatting about before this, is that idea of giving everything over, right? Yes, and you had mentioned um, there was maybe you could share, Gord. Um, you were using an example of a backpack. Yeah, I, and I think I think we've come at it backwards. Okay. Particularly in North American, uh, because I don't see this in some other faith uh, Christian faith contexts around the world, in my limited um, experience or the things I've read. Hmm. Back a few years ago, there was a, a theology that made the rounds, and people debated it, and it was lordship theology. Okay. And you come to know Jesus as your Savior, which means he pays the price for your sin, you get a ticket to heaven, and there you are. Right. 
And then I've been in services where the preacher said, now, if you would like to make Jesus, maybe he's been your savior for some years, but now you'd like to make him Lord of your life, come forward. Yeah, this. so this is just fascinating because I've never heard this before. So this is why I find it so neat. So this was, this was so weird. And there were some others, and I'm grateful for, Bible teachers who said, no, no, no. When you come to Jesus, you come to him as Savior and Lord. So here's how it shakes out. I'm going to try to illustrate. Oh, for sure. So you're coming with a backpack with all of your stuff in it. Mm. And... We've all got baggage. <laughs> we, we've all got it. But some of it is the good stuff, right? Okay, yeah. And some of it is stuff that might not be that helpful, but we really like it. So we come with this bag of stuff. And there are two approaches. One, I come to Jesus and I lay the backpack on the table. And over time, he gives me back everything out of the backpack that he wants me to have. And that will be helpful. The second approach is that I come to Jesus, but I hang on to the backpack. Mm. And then over the next period of years, I wrestle to give him back some of the things out of the backpack that he wants to have that aren't that helpful or that I need to give up. Mm. And I think that's the theology of Jesus every time he speaks of it. Everything. Right. It's I all. need everything. Yeah. And it's so interesting because, like I just said, I had never heard that before. Yet, although it's a theology that we're not um, endorsing by any means. No. It is one that I think many of us, without realizing, practice. Oh, we, we, we live there all the time. Yeah. And... and Maybe stuff is too important to us. Mm. And maybe we make some bad faith choices based on our stuff and what it would cost us of our stuff to walk with Jesus. Mm-hmm. So we don't. Yeah. And so we'll feel convicted about it. Mm-hmm. But if you give that enough time, the conviction will drain away, and it's back to normal. It's back to normal, yeah. And many people, I think, struggle with that. Mm-hmm. That's why at the end of that message, I said, what do you have that you need to apotassel? Yeah. Because practically speaking, that's where we are. And whether that's the job, a relationship, um, money, stuff, whatever it is we're chasing and we think will make us happy, even as Christians. Hmm. Some of it needs to go. Yeah. And, uh, you know, as we're, we're always trying to, I don't know, see, take advantage of the situation we may be in to then come closer to a better understanding of, of God and good in our lives. Yeah. And we go... You know, interesting that the cultural situation we're in right now, um, it's it's also during the same time as Lent. Yes, right. And you think, man, giving up, uh, giving up this or that, these like giving up chocolate bars for Lent now looks easy. 
You know, like I'm not, I'm not able to see my family. I can't or, go to a movie. I can't go out to have dinner. I can't go get groceries. Yeah. I can't go see friends. I can't. I had, I got a note yesterday that a, that a good friend has passed away. Mm. And I know three of her children really well. Right. Yeah. But I'm not going to be able to go see them. Oh, I know. Right? Yeah. And that's the stuff I can weep over because oh, I'm yeah. saying their mom has gone and I can't go say, I'm sorry. Mm. Yeah, you can make a phone call. Yes, if you can get an email address, you can send. I, I get all that. Oh, yeah, for sure. But there's nothing like a look in the eye and a hug. Yeah. And I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, certainly in situations like that. Like, oh, I just. So this has given us a sense of what it is we can really do without. Mm. Mm-hmm. And what it is that is very important in our lives to like continue. To continue. Yeah. What are the things we need to embrace? Mm-hmm. And if it came to working a few extra hours or going to comfort a friend, right. what might I really do? Right. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, I just... It does have the potential to really change us mm-hmm. if we can give ourselves to it. If we can give ourselves over to that. Yeah, for sure. And I and I love that question that you said at the very end of your sermon, you know, just what is it that you're still holding on to? And I think one of the reasons it's so on the nose, on point, whatever the language you want to use about it, it's because of the situation we're in right now. We've got time to really think about it. Which, you know, is both a plus and a negative. Oh, yeah. Because, because usually we keep ourselves, uh, you know, this is a little off topic maybe, but maybe not. I don't know. We keep ourselves so occupied mm. with lessons and shopping and... Uh, Gyms. Everything. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Like we just keep ourselves so occupied. Now, one of our pillars is uh, a Sabbath rhythm right. lifestyle. Yeah. One of our pillars here at, at Lewisville. At Lewisville. Yeah. Is a Sabbath, ri- Sabbath rhythm lifestyle. The problem with Sabbath rhythm is it gives us opportunity to reflect on things and gives <laughs> God an opportunity to meddle in our lives. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so now, you know, here we are. Well, turn the coronavirus coverage off, mm-hmm. which is which has been become ubiquitous, like everywhere. Oh yeah. Turn it off and just sit. Which was kind of the end of the first. The first message. one, yeah. See what God would say mm. about what will make a healthier walk with Jesus moving forward from here. Exactly. Yeah. If I didn't have this or this or this, would my would my walk with Jesus or if I added this and this mm. and this, mm-hmm. would I have a healthier walk with Jesus than I have right now? Yeah. That's so neat. So first message, the idea of like sitting, having that moment. With God, maybe God's going to reveal something to you, which then in the second message, maybe the things that he's revealed are now the things that we need to get clear of, get clear of, 
Apotase? Is that, did I get it right? Apotasso. Oh, I'm so close. So close. So close. But renounce, right? These things that Renounce is the word, is is how it's uh, um, translated in the text. Renounce. Unless you renounce. Mm Mm-hmm. And and what's happening there in Jesus's framework and in in the scripture there is that it's it's becoming very real and very present for him because he's on his way to the cross, and and he's jettisoning jettisoning stuff as he goes. Mm. Yeah, he understands that the only focus for him is getting to Jerusalem to die. Right. And if he doesn't do it, there is no plan B. Right. Yep. Wow. Oh, yeah. So, leading into that, just as we're closing now, Gord, okay. we're, we're coming to part three. Yep. Um, any tidbits, any little sneak peeks? Don't be afraid if there's a moment with God. Don't be afraid to embrace it. Mm. Yeah, that's a that yeah. No, I like that. Because we're going to talk about the triumphal entry. Okay. And I've been reflecting on the whole idea of what made it a triumphal entry. Because I don't know if Jesus saw it as triumphal. <laughs> uh, okay, we're yeah. finally at Jerusalem. Yeah. Well, we all know what happens next. Right. Man, yeah. But these people had this moment. There were other times, and I'm giving away a little here, but... That's okay. It's all right. There were times when people said, well, let's crown him king. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. Jesus knew, and he slipped away and got out into the the mountains with the Father. Mm Mm-hmm. Because John says... He didn't need man's testimony about man because he knew what was in a man. Okay, so so these this this one opportunity, they get to cheer him, hmm. and he let them do it. Hmm. That's gonna be interesting. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. So when when there is this moment, and people will say, well. Yeah, but just just like hours later, they were calling crucify him. Yeah, I got that. Is it news to anybody that we are a fickle piece of work? (laughs) (laughs) Anyone surprised here? Right. But in the moment, they seized the moment. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's enough. (laughs) <laughs> I love it. Well, thanks, Gord. That was good. I, I enjoy it. Oh, yeah. I, I thoroughly enjoy our conversations because yeah. it takes us into some places. Oh, for sure. We, and, we might not all um, otherwise go. Yeah, and my hope for the listener, too, is that maybe they're getting... Like I, I just love the idea of like the listener is is sort of like me in this moment, and they're all here, and they're just getting to yeah, like yeah. take notes down and sit with you and... Because, yeah, you've got um, so much going on when you're preparing a teaching, preparing a sermon, and it's just so great for us to kind of get that behind the scenes and get that, the deeper stuff, which we can use. You know, we watch the message and then we could listen to something like this. And and it's fun for me, Adams, I'll just say, because 
there's a lot of strands mm. that I can't tie in to the 20 or 25 minutes exactly. on Sunday. Yep. So I have to, I can't say it all, so I have to let some of it go. Let some of it go, And yeah. it's always fun to double back and be able to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, right on. Well, Thanks, we'll, man. I appreciate it. Yeah. We'll see you next week. Okay, good. Okay. Bye.